right. The Fake Spike. Finally back. Episode 74. Been a couple of months. What's up, Vort? Good to be back. I feel like we start gearing up for the football season when you and me slowly start getting back into the podcast. Yeah. So we got a, we got a big one coming up. Football again. We got our Super Bowl coming up, man. It's it's Super Bowl season yeah. for us. <laughs> it's, it's the draft, and obviously, I'm assuming that's why we are kind of jumping back into the podcast. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it, it's exciting. I mean, so many possibilities, two top 10 picks, and I'm guessing that's going to be our focus for tonight's podcast, the the draft and the two top 10 picks the Jets currently have. Yeah, we could certainly make that. Well, with the draft three days away, not having an opportunity to do another one, this is our t- this is our time. So we got we to gotta talk about it. I know the last time we spoke through text, you were not up to date on what's going on with the draft. Have you been able to do any research at all? Uh, I look, there's a cornerback that uh, apparently is climbing the boards, but mostly I I wasn't focusing on the names coming out of the draft. I was kind of, I spent the last couple of days just thinking, what do I want the Jets to do? And obviously the big news uh, one or two days ago is the, the super uber, uber star Debo from 49ers uh, requested a trade. And boy, oh boy, he sure does sound tempting because what I want this offseason to bring to the Jets are two things. One is, I believe you can never have enough talented all-pro offensive linemen to protect our biggest investment, Zach Wilson. Number two, I'm a little bit fed up with the Jets for the past 10 years always drafting defense, defense, defense. I, I know we got some good players. Obviously, Rebus Island comes to mind. But there comes a point where our young quarterback needs weapons. And the one we were kind of hoping to have, Corey Davis, he's shown himself to be just a regular wide receiver. At best, he's not a superstar. So at a certain point, let's start loading up on playmakers. Let's get another wide receiver. Let's get an explosive tight end. Uh, so you're somebody's got to be there. You go with a wide receiver at number four? That's going to put you on the spot. Ta- yeah. It's a fair question. And again, it's, it's hard for me to answer because I don't know the big names coming out of college this year. But if you're telling me there is a talk about a potential Kelvin Johnson being in the draft. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I, if you have a Julio Jones, if you have a Kelvin Johnson, and that's who we're going to get for the next 10 years uh, to play with uh, Zach Wilson. Yes. I jump on that. Well, I, I would too, but there is not this year is all about, and now I know you haven't been following it, but it's been a, an extremely fascinating draft season because nobody knows where anybody's going to go. The, the consensus seems to be that Aiden Hutchinson is probably going one, but beyond that, they have no idea. There is no Jamar Chase. There is no Calvin Johnson. There's no Julio Jones. There's no um, even Amari Cooper a few years ago. There's no, there's four guys. There's four or five receivers that people talk about. Garrett Wilson seems to be the big one people talk about. Drake London's up there, but not a single one of them is like, oh my God, we got to have him type of thing and it's the same thing with the pass rushers other than than Hutchinson it's the same thing with the three offensive linemen it's the same thing with the three defensive backs and then you got Kyle Hamilton so there's 12 or 13 maybe 14 guys and other than Hutchinson which seems to be 
where everybody thinks is going one, although that may not even, that's not even a sure thing. Everybody else is completely up in the air, and nobody would be surprised if the guy who is the consensus number two falls to six. Nobody would be surprised if a guy who's number four drops to 12. It's just that kind of year. There is no consensus, and that does not even to take into account that there will definitely be a quarterback taken in there somewhere to throw of things course. out. Because there's always a quarterback or two, right? So there's that. There's, there, there is so much, like, like there's so much parity for lack of a better word in the draft this year that it has been the most exciting lead up in forever because it, nobody knows where anybody's going. It's really weird. So let me ask you this. If sure. the jets break character and we know Douglas is not the guy who's going to trade away King's ransom to bring a player uh, to New York as, as the only return. Uh, <clears throat> how much do you, if, uh, if Mac is the GM and you're the one making and taking calls as we are approaching draft uh, draft night. Uh, where do you draw the line? Is uh, the line you would not cross as far as giving up for Debo? And what would you give up to bring him to New York okay. to match up with Zach? So, so here's the thing, okay? I can only, and again, my, my mindset has become this now. It's become the business end of football. It's not the, the emotional end. Because the emotional end is like, sure, give up the 10. Because whoever I'm going to draft the 10, I would hope he turns into Debo, right? But the business part of me looks at this, and then I talk myself into it like fantasy, right? I Two big-time wide receivers got traded this offseason, and not a single one of them brought a pick anywhere near 10, right? Tyrell, Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill got a like number 29. That was a first-rounder, and three or four other picks, but the value doesn't add up. All of those picks together barely add up to the 10, right? Devontae Adams, who's been the consensus top receiver in the league for the most part for the past several years, didn't even get a one at all. And you, you throw in the fact that you're going to have to give him 20-plus million dollars a year. So I would say that I would give up both second-round picks, which adds up to slightly less value than the than the 10. I would give up both second round picks, maybe a later pick and take take a late pick from them. So I would I would consider doing it that way. Um if you go by the draft value, the the two second round picks the Jets have plus their third round picks adds up to slightly more value than the 10 altogether. So if you're telling me I can get Debo for two second round picks and a third round pick and maybe take their fourth round pick, then I might consider that. There's also the argument that why not just give up the 10 and keep the rest of the picks, but I, I, I just, I, again, I talk myself into this value thing, and, and I, don't, I don't see why I would have to give up a 10 when no one else did. So do with that what you will. It, it makes sense because uh, I look at it a lot like you. I'm no longer the young kid who just hears a name that's... Uh, exciting young kind of the it name and you're like give up the farm give up everything because he's the one guy that's going to carry us to the super bowl that's not what football is football is depth football is salary cap management and i also have to kind of be realistic the jets have two other speedy shifty sort of swiss army type receivers on the roster already one was just finished his rookie year and the other one we signed the uh, we re-signed is barrios that's why to me <laughs> if you're going to add a wide receiver or a tight end, I want that pass catching tight end. The the guy that came out last year, what was his name? Kyle Pitts. Oh, uh, Pitts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pitts. Uh, somebody like him did that pass catching tight end. Or the reason why I said Kelvin Johnson, I'm talking about a big receiver, a guy that Corey Davis was supposed to be, and obviously supposed to be. I was uh, I was his big nut rider throughout the whole season. 
and even I had to admit that it's been borderline disastrous so far in, in a one season only. But um, So does it make sense to add another receiver that's a small, speedy guy? You have to have somebody to match up, uh, kind of to balance that out on the other side of the ball. So like you, small. for the right price, I'll, I would look at him, but I'm not looking to overpay him and give up basically our whole draft class just to get the well, whole I'm, I'm looking it up now. Debo is six feet, so he's not quite as small as these other guys. Um, let's see. He's six feet and 215. So he's not that small. He's 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 a fairly, I mean, he's he's an average size receiver. He's not small like Berrios or um, or Elijah Moore. Um, my concern with, with Debo, and he did have a monster year on the receiving side, so it's not that much of a concern, is that a lot of his value came from the fact that that they ran him a lot and he came out of the backfield and he's been mm-hmm. he's been not he's been very clear about the fact that he's not asking for a trade out of San Francisco because of money. He's asking because they didn't like the way he was used. You know, what's the shelf life of a running back? If you're going to run out of the backfield, you're going to get crushed. You know, he'd probably take two or three years off his career. Um, he does not want to play that role anymore. So that's a, that's a concern. But then again, he had 77 catches for a 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns as a receiver. So, I mean, it's just, I, it, it's very confusing. I'm really not sure. There are so many different ways they can go. But I am all on board and if it has to be overpaying, fine. I am all on board with getting this kid a weapon because look what happened with Josh Allen when he got a weapon. Look what happened with, you know, and name any quarterback over the last few years when you got a top receiver in there to help him out and, and he takes a jump. And I think you need to do that. I don't, I don't think any of the guys on the roster are at that point yet. Um, and think about it, though. Here's, I, mean, I know I'm going in a million different directions, but think if you add a Debo or any any guy like that, right? You you already have more Berrios and Davis there. You have two pass catching tight ends now. You have the running back out of the backfield. For the first time in our memory, the Jets actually have guys that the defense has to plan for and can't cover and double team guys anymore. You know, all of those guys are capable of catching balls. And that's what is it? it I said there's three receivers, two tight ends. That's five. The running backs is the running back is six. There's, they'd have to they'd have to go nickel, you know, nickel or dime on every play just to do this. And there's no doubling there. You know, so this is this is this, that's the huge advantage to adding a guy. If you get a Debo Samuel, if they dare to double team him, you got three other four other guys that would be wide open. You know, it's just it's it's very tempting to, to want to be able to give you, your, your quarterback that kind of help. The big thing that you said that I agree with you is for so many years we've been hearing this is our savior, this is our savior, referring to the young quarterback that we were drafting. There comes a point they where the young them. savior needs never. weapons. They never it's not about yep. Yep. exactly there, there's coaching, there's support. I understand, we know all that, but you gotta give the kid weapons, another playmaker who can make something out of nothing, who can go up in the crowd and catch the ball, who has that breakaway speed to make a play off a screen pass. You have to, you have to make the kid feel like there are playmakers around them. It's stretching exactly what you referred to. The kid needs weapons. That's part of the development. There's coaching, but. The, you have to surround them with playmakers who can help them grow and uh, feel more confident. I think confidence is also a big part of it. When you have guys that you trust, guys that you rely on to make plays and they do that for you, your confidence grows. And that's uh, confidence is a big thing in sports to me. Yeah. And I think it's a foregone conclusion that one of those first four picks, if the Jets keep them all, because I think there is a very, and I say very, a very high, I would go above 60 or 70% chance that the Jets trade either 
two of their picks in the second round to move up into the first round or trade back from the 10 to acquire a pick and a pick next year or something. I think there's a very good chance something there is traded and the Jets either end up with, uh, you know, three first round picks and, and no second round pick or, um, you know, or an extra third or, you know, something like that. Very good chance. But I think it is safe to say that somewhere in those, in that, either those three first round picks, if they get it or the first, four picks that two in the first two in the second that the Jets will be adding a playmaker of some sort probably a receiver uh, I can't see them going running back that early so almost certainly the Jets will be adding a receiver somewhere in there I I, I feel strongly that way now the defense is the thing that we need to talk about I know I am if the Jets draft an interior defensive lineman I'm going to shoot myself but there are <laughs> there's edge rushers galore there's corners galore and then there's always the you know the offensive linemen that are out there too the, you know the Jets have gotten themselves to a point where they don't have any huge holes anymore but everybody can be improved you know so it's a weird position to be in because you don't like best player available or needs or whatever they have gotten they've they've solidified the team to the point where there is nothing where you're like we have to take that guy because it's a huge hole um but at the same time there's nobody who's like all right well we 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 can't draft that guy because we don't need help there it's every you need help everywhere but you don't have a glaring hole anymore so edge rusher to me is going to be the pick at four. I really think that that the Jets have been missing a pass rush for so long, and I know Lawson's coming back. They signed Curry for third downs, whatever. I think you get a young guy off the edge there, and it makes that defense strong. There's also been a lot of talk, excuse me, about the fact that Salah does not necessarily need like shut down corners right he wants a pass rush and he will mix and match a bunch of um you know a bunch of hybrid guys at the corner positions because if the if they're getting to the quarterback you don't necessarily need the shutdown guy there you just need versatile guys with speed that's been a lot of the talk lately so i think all signs point to the jets taking an edge rusher at four i listen if it's the next uh, if it's the long lost brother of the bosa family yes I, i'd sign up for that because they, they they're showing what a difference uh a true pass rusher that can disrupt the quarterback, who can get to the pocket, uh, who, can, who can who can get to the quarterback, uh, break down the pocket. It makes a world of difference. But uh, the last one I remember for the Jets that did that consistently, and by consistently I mean for one solid season, was uh, the kid Sean Ellis. Uh, that's uh, who, who was the other guy? That, Abraham. Uh, and, and John Abraham. That was my guy. Loved him. He was the true guy that would just explode around the edge and get to the QB. But yeah, yeah since, since those ago. two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think 18. 2005 he left, right? So that's 17 years since since John, the Jets have had a true pass rush. 17 years for it. That's ridiculous. That's almost as bad as not having a tight end or a quarterback, but we got those two <laughs> positions covered as well. Well, like the offense, you know, you, you can make things happen here and there with the offense. It has been so frustrating at the time the opposing quarterbacks have gotten for 20 years now that it, it's, you know, you, you, you're in a game and, and you just need one stop and, and the quarterback's sitting back there looking around, waiting for his guy to get open. And eventually, I mean, you and me could get open if they give us enough time, you know? I mean, it's it that is the most frustrating thing to me. I would love, love to see some pressure on the quarterback and see a guy throw up a ball that might be intercepted or knocked down or come up with that big third down play because you got to the quarterback and he didn't have all the time in the world to look for a guy. I would love that. So there's four, like I'm going to say three really solid and one guy that's kind of, he's a, you know, a combine warrior. He's climbed the draft charts, but there's four really solid pass rushers. Uh, two of them are supposedly studs and they got a third guy climbing up. The fourth guy is the one I mentioned. 
They have um, three very solid corners, one or two that are sneaking up higher in the conversation. There's uh, two monster tackles and one a third tackle who's very good. So I've already just named like eight or nine guys. Then there's the safety, Kyle Hamilton, who a lot of people consider the best player in a draft, but nobody's going to take him in the first couple of picks because he's a safety, but he's supposedly like like the top guy in the draft. That does not include the receivers or the quarterbacks, and I've already just named 10 guys, right? So right off the, the bat... The safety worries me. I still have a little PTSD after, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> after Jamal Adams. Right. Uh, well, if but, he's not uh, a prima donna bitch, then maybe, you know, maybe it, w- it would have been a good pick. It certainly would have been. <laughs> well, I, 10 guys I just mentioned... And the Jets have two top two top ten picks. So if if assuming a receiver sneaks in there, a quarterback sneaks in there, and I don't know who else. I guess that's really it, right? I mean, then you got to figure that those ten guys, um, the, the Jets get at least two of them, right? And they're probably going to be defensive. I mean, I, do you see any reason to take a tackle or an offensive lineman in general this early, either four or ten, or do you look for value later? What are your thoughts? Listen, I think I would go if again if you identify it and you believe that we have a guy that's on a project that's uh, you. If you're talking a tackle, that kid better come in day one and be ready to protect our gem of a quarterback. Uh, if you identify that type of a player, yeah, I'll take him. I, like I started this podcast, I said I want two things. I want protection for zach wilson it's absolutely vital we've seen so many times throughout the years what happens to quarterbacks who take <laughs> who take punishment early in their career so protecting the qb is vital to me and a playmaker uh, now when you started talking about the edge rushers i would never ever turn away one of those so already i'm feeling kind of a little bit of relief because it seems like this depth is certainly it certainly has enough depth and enough talent that two top 10 picks won't be a waste in a year where there's not guys that won't be able to start from day one, which is, uh, I believe, when you're drafting in the top 10, the kid better come in and there has to be a consistent, valuable, strong, every down contributor from day one. If you don't have that from a top 10 pick, you missed. Uh, hopefully, it'll work out later, but you missed. Uh, the other thing that worries me is uh, Douglas's MO is uh, I won't be surprised if he trades down. He likes to accumulate picks. And the reason it bothers me this year is there comes a point in the rebuild where you stocked up all these picks for a reason. Now you have two top 10 picks. Make it count. Show us that you show us that uh, your MO runs a little bit deeper than just collecting depth by collecting all these draft picks, by stockpiling those picks. Now it's time to show us you can also identify talent that's coachable, that fits your locker room, that fits the parameters of what uh, what style Salah is trying to play and deliver on those draft picks. I could not agree more, and I think he's going to do that. I think if he trades down, I don't think it's going to be to acquire a lot of picks in this year's draft. I think he's going to continue at all times. He's going to look to stock the cupboard for future years so that he's always got the flexibility. So I would not be surprised to see the four or the 10 pick traded back a few picks. Not, not. I don't think they're going to drop from four or 10 into the 20s. I think what will happen is maybe – somebody values a player higher and the Jets trade down to like, say, eight, right? Four, six, seven, from four to six, seven, or eight, get a first round pick for next year, still have that top 10 pick, and then maybe acquire a third round pick or something, you know, 
and this year that gives them flexibility to move back up at the same thing at the 10 i think the 10 the the 10 guys i just mentioned to you in addition to two or three receivers and two or you know let's say two quarterbacks that's 14 guys right there maybe 15 and that doesn't even include guys who who come up at, at another point that that sneak up the draft board. So if the if you're going to tell me the Jets will trade from ten to let's say fourteen or fifteen for a team that wants to move up, acquire a pick next year and maybe a pick later in this draft so that they can move back up, I, I I'm okay with that. But if you're going to tell me they're going to trade back to acquire four more picks in this draft and three more picks next year, I am not for that. I agree with you. I want to select players and I want to. If I'm going to get a couple of picks later, I want to be able to use them to trade back up. And I, I have a strong belief that the Jets will either trade back in one of these picks to trade back a few uh, and or I think it could be both. But I, I am positive the Jets will at some point trade up from either that second round pick or somewhere else to, and use their picks. I'm positive that they will do that. Now, there's a lot of speculation that they will use their, their second round picks to get back into the 20s for a third first round pick, which I would be, I would be fine with that. You move up 10 picks and you give up your two picks to get a guy. I would be fine with that. Totally fine with that. And I, I, I want to see the same thing you do. I want to see them now start to turn these picks into something because quite frankly, you can only sign so many rookies and keep so many rookies on a cap and have so many guys in camp that, that can't freaking play because they're young and need to learn. You eventually need either a veteran or a young guy who's, who's ready to go and, and has, has a little bit of experience. So I'm with you. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and to be honest with you, another part of uh, me wanting the weapons and the actual players instead of just stockpiling picks is um, I want to be able to make a concrete decision on Zach Wilson. I know that right now, when we sit here right now today, we kind of we we can make a solid judgment on Sam Darnold, and I think at this point now we know what he is. But when he was leaving New York, we we had a little bit of that that. That little doubt that maybe, maybe we didn't help him enough. Maybe we broke him. Maybe we didn't give him enough weapons. There was that little bit of what if back then. I don't want to be in the same position with Zach after this season. Uh, because by the end of this season, he should really establish himself. We're no longer in an era where a quarterback needs three, four years to show himself. By the end of the second year, or at worst, absolute worst, early to midway through the third year. We should know exactly what Zach Wilson is, but I want I want to make that judgment call knowing he received the coaching, which I believe he is. He received the proper support of the organization and the fans, which so far I believe he is. And the kid had weapons, so that, that that's kind of my that's my stance on uh, why I really want uh, at a certain point now I want players, not picks. I I agree, and I. You know, we've broken down what we expect from Wilson over the first three years of his career, and then he's out the door if it doesn't go well. But this year, expect I have to give him, I have to give a little bit of slack because the the AFC has gotten so freaking good. We haven't spoken since our last podcast, and that all of the every AFC team got good. All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. The division got stacked. I mean, the Jets, the Jets are up against it, and the Jets at best, you know, even if if the Jets play well, and you know, they they can go seven and. 10 and you know and and they wouldn't even sniff a playoff spot the jets even if they overachieve will be fighting for the last playoff spot for a number of years unless wilson really turns into something but you have to assume this year it's going to be a tough one i am still not going to judge the jets on wins because the schedule's tough the afc's tough but 
We have we have been on the record a number of times saying that we want to see Zach Wilson this year, coming second year, somewhere early midseason on. He needs to show that he can be the difference in the Jets winning, or at least in this case, being in games. I want to see. Um, you know, like you saw at the end of last year, he, he was the reason they were in some games. He even he even managed to pull a couple of pull a couple of wins out. I would like to see Zach Wilson take that step to be the guy who makes the difference in us being a competitive team or a winning team some point this year. And then year three, we're competing for a playoff spot for real. That that's the progression I want to see, and it's completely realistic. That's what you have to expect from a guy who's who's a number two overall pick and expected to be a franchise quarterback. Second year, you are making the difference in whether your team sucks or doesn't suck, maybe winning some games. Uh, and I'm revising that from last year when I said he's got to make the difference to, to actually win some games. I think it's going to be a tough wall for the Jets this year. But I want to see him make that difference. And then in year three, all excuses off the board. If he's what we want him to be, then those guys, those other guys in, in the AFC will just be another another challenge for him, but he'll be right up there with it. And that's what you hope for. Absolutely. That's that's my whole outlook for this season. The division uh, through trades and through signings is absolute. It's an absolute nightmare. It's, it's some of the best teams in the entire NFL. And of course, that's what the Jets have to deal with. And uh, going back to what you said about Zach Wilson, if at the end of the season, you and me are having a conversation of, well, he showed flashes, he definitely got better, but I still don't know what he is. That means he's falling short of expectations. If you and me are talking, and this is my opinion, obviously, uh, and that's the only opinion that matters. We know that as well. <laughs> but uh, if you and me are having a conversation of, I got flashes, I got glimpses, I think I know where he's headed, but I still don't know what Zach Wilson is. That's a problem. You have to know exactly what and who he is by the end of this season. Right. Yeah. To to basically to summarize everything I said and what you just said, I agree with totally. We we don't want to see flashes this year. We, he may not actually win the games, but he needs to be. Oh, shit, I totally forgot my freaking train of thought. I, I had it nailed and and totally forgot exactly where I was going. But yes, for, for me, I need to see Zach Wilson. I need to have no question that he's headed in the right direction. I can no longer be at like at the end of this year and say, well, there was this, there was that. We need to know at, at some point this year and certainly by the end of the year that he is a guy that we're going to want to ride into the third year because I think he's going to get a third year no matter what. But there's, there's a whole big difference between going into that third year. He's, he's on track and you're like, okay, we want to see that next step to, okay, well, this is it. This is his last shot, you know, huge, huge difference. And I think the complexion of the team would be different too, because, you know, at the end of next year, at the end of 2022, Douglas is down to only two years left on his deal, right? Uh, Sala will still have four, but uh, no, I I mean, maybe Douglas will have three, whatever the case is. If, if Zach Wilson's not the guy, it is going to be very difficult for Joe, Joe Douglas to be able to hold his job. Unless the the rest of the team is stacked and they go find a quarterback through trade, whatever the case may be. But I think Douglas is kind of tied into how Wilson does. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of judgment on what direction they go at the end of 2022 if Wilson does not appear to guy. I mean, what what is to be the guy, I should say? What what does Douglas do next offseason if they have a a pretty clear idea that Wilson's not the guy? Then you're talking all kinds of things. All all of the moves they're making now are predicated on on them being able to build Wilson and have him be the guy. That's the only option. I can tell you there's only going to be one move if Douglas has missed on Zach Wilson, then that's going to be Douglas moving on out of New York. <laughs> He's going to pack true. his boxes yeah. and 
uh, he's not getting another chance. Uh, he's, uh, he's absolutely tied at the hip well, to the success of Zach Wilson. I would like to put a, I would like to put a little condition on that. There's two, there's two, there's an A and a B. A, if, if any of the quarterbacks they passed on to take Zach Wilson turns into a star, then there's no question he's out the door. Um, if not, then there's a chance he could save his job. If B, the team is built and they have everybody in place and they can pull a Brett Favre in 2008 or something similar, not Brett Favre, but bring in a, a good quarterback, you know, cause the, before the last couple of years, you never saw star quarterbacks get traded. Now they're all getting traded, right? So if you're telling me that Douglas just missed on his quarterback, that's it. All he did was miss on the quarterback, but hit everything else. And he didn't leave a guy out there who turned out to be great, Justin Fields or, you know, Mac Jones or any of these guys, then if he built the team and they have a monster team that is only missing a quarterback and he can go out there and trade for that guy, then I think he can save his job. But failing that, if any of the, if he does not build a, a huge squad and or if the players drafted after Zach Wilson turn into a star and Wilson is a failure, then there's no question he's out the door. Valid point. Valid point. Uh, are we going to try to reconvene after the draft? I, I'm going to be watching. So if you want to try and do what we did last year, which is jump on in the first round and, and you know Yahoo and, and scream and yell about what we did, then I'm all for it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the, the first round is on Thursday night, right? <laughs> yeah. You're cute. Okay. I, You're very cute. No, did I miss it? Is it the... Uh, no, it is. It's so Thursday I'm, night. I'm just, I'm just, it's Thursday night every year. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you, you didn't realize that. Oh, I wasn't sure if it starts on Friday or Thursday. For no, some it's reason. Thursday. It's Thursday. A, a lot has been going on. I know it has. I know it has. Okay. Well, I, you, I guess I can't ask you for a prediction on who they're going to draft, right? So I guess I'll have to do it or you want to just take a blind shot. I'm going to say that without putting out names, because I don't, I'm going to go with position. So cut me a little slack. I think with okay. number four, the Jets go offensive line. Number okay. 10, the Jets trade down. And with whatever return they get, they go with, they go with <laughs> a wide receiver. Okay. So the first round nets us a offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Okay. Well, I th I agree with you on the second part. I think if the Jets trade down from 10 and get down into the 14, 16, 17 area, they take a receiver there. So I agree with that. I think they're going to be defensive defensive edge rusher uh, at the number four position. And I think uh, Thibodeau falls to them. He's he, he was a number one guy for a while. There's there's all kinds of talk about him, you know, caring about his brand and being lazy and blah, 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 blah. The same thing you hear about a guy every year. I think the Jets go defensive tackle at, at four. And I think if they don't trade out of the 10 pick, they take whatever guy falls from those guys I mentioned to you. Because there's going to be at least two or three of them are going to fall from what would have thought to be a top five, six, seven picked and be there at 10. And and it's most likely to be either an offensive lineman, uh, but more likely one of the, either the corners or, or even that safety. So I'm going to say that they take, they, they take an edge rusher at four and I'm going to predict it to be Thibodeau and that they take, uh, if they stay at 10, they take either a corner or a, um, or the safety if he's there. And then if they trade down, I think they take a wide receiver and get him his weapon. As much as I cry about wanting an offensive weapon, if we walk away from this first round with a with an edge rusher and a cornerback, and both of them make it through training camp.
legitimately, legitimately go into the season as day one starters, I will not be disappointed. And this is from a guy who just spent the entire podcast crying when you do weapons on offense. But you also have to be a realist. You have to be a fan who understands the game, which I believe it is. And those two positions will be absolutely vital to Salah, provided we identify the right guys. So if you're right, I will not be disappointed. My thing that here is, besides just the position of need, let's make sure that the kid works out and is who we think and hope he is. Well, I've, Douglas has shown he's a trenches guy, so I would not be surprised with with a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman in that in those two ten, uh, those uh, that four and ten pick. Now, the thing about offensive weapons is right. They, they, somebody printed a, a chart the other day and was like, "This is why you don't take a receiver at four, whatever." Right? I would I I didn't count how many, but I would say a third, if even maybe even twenty five percent of receivers taken in the first round actually turn into solid receivers. Never mind stars. Stars it's even less, but turn into solid receivers. Right? A good portion of the guys who have turned into studs in the last few years were second and third round guys, most notably second. But you have Debo Samuel, Calvin Ridley, a few others. You got the Amari Coopers of the world who never turned into a real star. I mean, he turned pretty good. You got a bunch of guys who were taken in the first round and a bunch of guys who never did anything at all. So there is the argument to be made that with, with a 35 and a 38 pick, the Jets can certainly get a receiver there that will that will make a big difference, And which is why at the beginning of this I said I think the Jets are going to get themselves an offensive weapon with somewhere in, the, in those first four or three if they trade picks. So I, I'm all on that. I don't think they necessarily have to take the receiver early because, again, there is no consensus number one guy this year. There's three guys that everyone's talking about. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with them, if at all, but one is called is named Garrett Wilson. He's from Ohio State. He seems to be kind of the consensus number one. Then you got um, Drake London, who is a, a tall guy, wins a lot of jump balls, but he's not super fast. So, I mean, if he's winning, if he's going to be involved in jump balls in college all the time, what's going to happen in the pros? He's not going to get any separation, right? I don't want, I don't need a fucking end zone, red zone guy with, with a number 10 pick. And then there's Jamison Wilson, who probably would easily be the number one pick, the number one uh, wide receiver pick if he hadn't torn his ACL in the championship game in college. So he's going to miss some time at the beginning of the season. So he probably falls a little bit. So those are the three main guys. And there's a couple of others people throw around as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, realistically, we're not talking about bringing in the receiver at 10. That's why I said we trade down on that pick, but uh, let's see. I'm uh I'm, I'm glad that the podcast had kind of uh, got my blood boiling and got the excitement going again. Oh, so go. I'm really looking forward to the draft. And I think I'm going to try to do exactly what you said. If we're both around, we'll jump on. After the picks and the yell and scream and holler about the two newest, well, two or we'll see what the draft brings. But however many additions the Jets give us on Thursday night, we'll certainly discuss them and uh, see what happens from there. Yeah, well, with, with, uh, the 10 picks should be somewhere around, what, I guess if the draft starts at 8, that would be somewhere around 9-ish, 9-10-ish, something like that. So we can, we can do a podcast around this time 9 30 and have and definitely have both picks in so let's let's plan on doing that looking forward to it as always my man all right you have a good one take care